0: Contexts change, but people stay the same. I ask you to consider that as we work through this book. Contexts change, people stay the same. I also remind you or ask you to consider this idea, this this phrase, we try too hard. It can be said of us as humans that you look at as a whole, our efforts, our strivings, our, the, just the nature of what we, ha, we, we have become, what we are, the history of our, of our race, and we try too hard. That also reminds you to consider that Jesus, Jesus is enough. So for instance, last week, when we see that Jesus is greater as he empowers our purpose and maximizes our life, we can see through the lens of these three things that you know context change, people say the same. We always, always have been looking for purpose. It's been innate to, uh, to us since we were he- since we began our time here. We always are looking for purpose. We see that Paul kind of opens his heart a little bit about how his purpose was to be there for this church. His purpose was to be an apostle. His purpose was to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, It wasn't easy. There was adversity to it. But he recognized in the middle of of all that was going on that he had found his purpose and that as he fulfilled his purpose, that actually Jesus was the one who empowered him to stay at what he had been called to do. And I remind you that that is still remaining uh, in this time, in this age, purpose is still what God has for each one of our lives. And he is calling us to find the purpose he has for us and then allow him to empower us to be faithful to fulfill that purpose. We try too hard, obviously. Uh, we have words like burnout in our culture now and, and different things like that, stressed out. and a lot, of it, a lot of times it's because we take on ourselves trying to fulfill purpose and meaning and, and yet not realizing the dynamic that, that the Lord has called us to rest, trust, lean, and allow him to empower our purpose. Jesus truly is Enough. And as we saw last week, that Jesus, uh, as as Paul begins to share this idea of the mystery that Christ is and the mystery that he has brought to us, the reality that Christ is now in us that is the big deal that is what they could not see the the idea of okay God wants to do this and I'm gonna follow this and we're gonna do this and they totally missed the idea that really the big the, the big deal the promise of the father was that God was going to come going to make opportunity going to set things right through the cross going to triumph over sin through the the empty tomb but then he was also going to then send his Holy Spirit into our lives. That's the mystery, that's the promise. And in that we find that we have all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge as Christ is in us. And what that means for me is that in Jesus Christ, my potential to have the maximum life that God or Jesus called it abundant life is now possible because Christ is in me. And because he is in me, the greater one, he it gives me the opportunity to have the maximum life possible. And so today, I want to move on into a uh, a section. Uh, there's two different things that are going to happen the next two weeks. As Paul begins to help us see how Jesus is greater uh, compared to what these people in this little church 2,000 years ago and today we still face. But I'd like to begin it with a couple videos that I think kind of just set the scene and I like these videos too. So Um, uh, I like to watch them again. Uh, It gives me an excuse to watch them again. But kind of encapsulate though the, the the phrase it sounded like a good idea, it sounded like a good plan. So that's mementos in the Diet Coke. Stop! God. Oh, God. You ever tried that? You got a replay. Or this one. Remember the phrase, it sounded like a good idea. Yeah, it sounded like a good idea. (laughs) Well-intentioned, no doubt, trying to fix something. I think that guy was trying to get a flyer off of his, that was under his uh, windshield wiper. Sounded like a good idea. And so I want to jump in with that in mind, that phrase in mind. But when we jump in to this section I want you to first notice something that's at the beginning of this section that continues to just highlight, continues the theme of what he started to share with them this idea of Christ in you. Because when you start to read this section in Colossians, you would begin reading this verse, verse six of chapter two. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him. Continue to live your lives in him. You found him, you found it, and what he has for you, as he's just shared, is, wow, abundant life, continue in this. Don't go anywhere else. You found it. But then he uses these words to kind of explain what this life encapsulates. He uses these participles, these three things. He says, Continue in him, this life you have in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught. Rooted, built up, and strengthened. Do you know what is so interesting about these words? These words are in what uh, the Greek would call in the passive voice. It's passive. Guess what you are not doing? You are not rooting yourself, you are not building up yourself, and you are not strengthening yourself. It's you are being active upon. These things that are happening in your life, which I desperately want and you want to be rooted in him, built up, strengthened in him, they're in the passive voice. He's continuing this idea that if you're ever going to have the life God has for you, this greater life, if you're ever going to fulfill your purpose and live the abundant life, it's always through the power, the person of the Holy Spirit in you. It is the work of God in your heart to root you to make you firm established it is the spirit and the person and the work of uh, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life to build you up to strengthen you you are being acted upon you are not called to strengthen your faith you are called to allow the Holy Spirit to strengthen your faith in your life Now, what's interesting is that last phrase is what? And overflowing with thankfulness. The overflowing with thankfulness is active on our part. So God is strengthening me. He's building me up. He's rooting me deep. He's creating this solid foundation, this steadfast character, this faithfulness of attitude and action in my life. He's the one that's gonna make that possible in my life. My response, the active response I have is a heart that overflows with thanksgiving, with gratitude. He calls us, he calls us, your response is absolutely cooperate with the Holy Spirit. Allow him to do these things in your life. But what I'm calling you to actively do that I cannot do, I cannot do for you is to, remember what somewhere else somebody said, be thankful in everything to overflow with thanksgiving that's our response but but do you see this dynamic he shared the mystery is Christ is in you they didn't get that today I talk to people and I I, I even say to them like so the thing that needs to happen in your life is you need Jesus in your life and they're just looking at me like what are you talking about I don't get what you mean by that It's like Jesus with Nicodemus. He said, Nicodemus, the crux of this is you must be born again or born from above, born anew, born by the Holy Spirit. That's that's the whole mystery. That's the key. That's the essential. And when that happens in our lives, when he is present, he is working, he's moving, man, I become rooted. I become built up. I become strengthened. My faith begins to take shape. And I begin to realize what God has for me. So I just thought that was interesting. That verse is kind of just a flow verse. But here's what he's getting at. Verse chapter, or verse number eight. This is what we need to see. See to it, see to it, or be continually being aware. See to it. I just had flashbacks of my mom telling me, you know, something. You see to it. That's kind of what he's saying. Be continually being aware. So, hey, this, hey, I need to take note of this. Be continually being aware that no one takes you captive. Takes you captive. And it sounds just like it it reads. It's a word that was referred in that day to kidnapping. It's referred to uh, plundering. It's referred to raping. It's referred to taking war captives, prisoners of war. That's exactly this word. Be continually being aware that you are not kidnapped through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Now, important stuff here. This is is why he starts this way, kind of warning, hey, you need to always be on guard that you're not kidnapped by hollow, deceptive philosophy. Now, philosophy, obviously, is is two words, right? Right? Leo, We use that word. Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love, right? Uh, unless you play sports there, man, they just give it to you. Their fans are rough on their teams. But it's supposed to have been, Philadelphia is the town of brotherly love. That's the root word. Love or lover means to love. Sophia is wisdom. To love Wisdom. Philosophy is the love of wisdom. See to it that you're not taken captive by a hollow and deceptive love of wisdom. I I would tell you, all throughout history, man has pursued a fascination with wisdom. And it's obvious that Paul, as he's writing this, as he's thinking about these people, as he's become aware of why he needs to write this letter, he is showing them and revealing to us that there is this idea that's that's uh, kind of percolating in that congregation. There's people that are coming in and telling them that okay, Jesus, I get that sounds good, but you know what? It just can't be the simple, simplistic. Unsophisticated gospel truth of Him dying on a cross and Him forgiving your sin. This is the message of God. This is what you need to. There's no way. You need to tap in to understand that there is human wisdom. There is wisdom that you need to get. And to understand who you are, where you're going, what you're doing in this life, it's beyond just a man hanging on a cross providing forgiveness for sins. You've got to tap into some kind of wisdom and knowledge. But Paul presents it in this way. He said those people that are saying that to you that you need to, to, to understand more. You need to expand your mind more, so to speak. You need to tap into this philosophy of life that we have on this earth. He uses two words to describe it. He says it's hollow and it's deceptive. Hollow without content, without basis, without truth, and without power. There is no way I can take time this morning to go through some of the stuff I've had about this, but it is amazing. It is amazing when you begin to understand the um, the so-called smartest people that this world has given to us, the philosophies that they have conjured up, and the fruit of that philosophy what at what it has produced it is absolutely some of it's just laughable honestly i just really i know your iq's 180 but that idea did not work it seemed like a good idea at the time and i'm not going to try to flesh that out for you today you'll be thankful for that But literally, Paul just sums it up in two words. He says that human wisdom is hollow and it's deceptive. He says, because it depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world. It is all born out of us, it's what our brightest minds could produce it's what we could see experience reason and logic and so we took what what we had and we put it all together and he says listen you need something that's beyond you you need a wisdom that is not from you it The wisdom that comes from man because of the condition of man, it becomes hollow. It becomes deceptive. It sounds good. It sounds like, oh, yeah, that that kind of, but it never works out. It never comes through. It never brings power or truth into our lives to give us the lives that we desire and that we long for and that we seek. He says, it depends on human tradition and the basic principles of this world rather than on Christ. And I wish... And so I'm just gonna make this point really fast. That the scripture, Colossians is teaching that Jesus is greater than human wisdom. Um, One of the things, I will bring this out the basic principles of the world he kind of makes a reference the way those words are used is it's it's like people who who look at their horoscope don't raise your hand if you do that it'd be a bad time to raise your hand he said that's that's what this all is You're looking and you're trying to figure out because the stars align, this means this. That's modern day, like horoscope stuff. And that the meaning of life is born out of the position of this star. Listen, man, it's hollow, it's deceptive. You can't find what you need based off of what the smartest guys in the world can tell you or the patterns of this world, how they somehow do this and that. You can't find it. But he turns it on its head and says, listen, be aware, but then this is the answer. And he starts this way. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And you have been given fullness in Christ or you have been made complete you have been made whole. Those words right there are saying that when you received Jesus into your life, you received everything that you need to know. Now, you might not understand it all yet. You might not have figured it out all yet. But you have the source of all wisdom and knowledge with you now. And he will now walk with you and take you to those places where you understand, hey, why am I here? What am I doing? How does this work? He says, In him now, who God placed the fullness of himself on, Jesus Christ, who is now in you through the power of his Holy Spirit, you are now complete. You do not need to go anywhere else or seek anything else. And see, this week he's gonna say, you don't need to seek it through human wisdom. Next week he's gonna say, he's gonna talk about, you don't need to seek it through religion. It's all in this Jesus Christ in you now see how he says this in him or or, uh, you have been given the fullness in Christ who is the head over every power and authority in him you were also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. You say, why in the world does he start talking about something that doesn't seem to fit? But he's trying to present to them that in Christ, you have found exactly what you need. Circumcision is this idea of identity, right? The Jewish people were were different than the rest of the nations because of this act of circumcision. Now, I always I'm always, when I, when I talk about this, I'm always thinking, man, I'm talking to people who probably don't even know what that is. And guess what? I'm not gonna explain it to you today. <laughs> you Google it right now, okay? Because it's just a little awkward. But basically, it was the way God gave them identity. It was a covenant identity, right? This makes you different than the heathens of the world. This makes you Jew. This is ma- and he says, listen. That in Jesus Christ, that, that thing, that identity thing, that in him, that this not outward act anymore, but he does something in you that gives you an identity. You, in him, you were circumcised and putting off of the sinful nature, not with the circumcision that was done by the Jews, but with the circumcision done by Christ, he comes in and gives you now an identity that you are his. And that identity comes through the end dwelling of his holy spirit in you giving you a new nature and you now identify with him you've been buried with him in baptism you've been raised with him through your faith in the power of god who is raised from the dead he's just like making these points about you know so often we think about okay uh Man, what do I need to understand about this life and about this world? And man, maybe I need to be more educated. And I don't discredit education, but it's like he's saying listen, what you really need to know, where your origin needs to start, where your source is, it's in Jesus Christ. He's the source. Start with Jesus and then work out in understanding what he has done and who he is. He makes it all make sense. See, the world is turning to, that guy was a smart guy. That guy had good ideas. That guy had a good system. We need to follow this. We need to follow. It's hollow. It's deceptive. It never comes through. It never meets us right where we're at. It never gives us the peace, the hope, the love that we so desperately need. And he's saying it's in Jesus Christ. Start with Christ. Understand that if he's in you, you have what you need. Now it's just allowing him to teach and show you and flesh it out. Don't go anywhere else, he said. Because, man, your identity. Look, he's he is he's been uh, he's died. He's raised from the dead. Um, he's proved who he was when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your sinful nature. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins. Having canceled the written code with its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us, he took it away, nailing it to the cross. Because you see, so often or always, what human wisdom has always sought to understand and sought to reconcile is what is wrong with us? How can we fix it? How can we make this world make sense? And at the heart of how it can be fixed and how this world makes sense is this idea of we need forgiveness. We have sinned. We have conscience of We have guilt, condemnation. We know something's wrong. Human wisdom's trying to figure it out. And in the cross and in this forgiveness that Jesus gives us, it all makes sense. I read about Noble Doss, played football for Texas. You know, Noble Doss, um, if you looked at his bio, you would see things like uh, he was happily married for six decades. He was a father-grandfather. He served in the Navy during World War II. He appeared on the cover of Life magazine with Texas, with his teammates at Texas. He intercepted 17 passes during college. It's a university record. He won two NFL titles with the Eagles. He's in the Texas High School Hall of Fame and in the Longhorn Hall of Honor. Noble Doss, very accomplished. But the thing that stays with Noble Doss is that he dropped a ball. One ball, one pass, one mistake. It was 1941. He said it's haunted him forever. In fact, when he was talking to one of the new Texas coaches that was hired, this is what came up. And 50 years later, he was crying about this. So much accomplishment. He says, it cost us the national championship We were number one in the country. It was the third quarter with the 7-0 lead. Uh, The quarterback launched a pass to me. I was wide open. He said the only thing between me and the goal was 20 yards of grass. Pass was perfect. I just dropped it. And I've not been able to let that go. I would say that probably that's uh, not too uncommon or not too far from a lot of our lives. This idea of forgiveness and allowing forgiveness to work in our lives. So often, it's something that we struggle with. We don't understand. It's hard for us to embrace and wrap our minds around it. And although maybe sometimes we grab a hold of the fact that God forgives me, um, really, we don't totally embrace that because we don't forgive ourselves. We hold it. We hold our past. We struggle with our past. And it's one of these things about human nature that needs to be reconciled. And he says right here, instead of turning a human wisdom to understand wh- how can you make that, how can you live with yourself after your past? How can you move on from your failure? I don't know what other books are out there that say. He says it's in Jesus Christ. His cross has provided what you so desperately need, Forgiveness. This idea here is they would, write on, they would write on animal hide and they didn't use ink that had acid. So they could literally write, it was almost like a blackboard type thing. They would write, the, the scribes would write on these, or, or they would write on papyrus, uh, bulrush. But because the ink didn't have acid, you could write this, it would stay, but you could wipe it off. And he says our lives have literally been like a whole debt list. An IOU is the language here of this sin, this sin, this sin, this sin. And it's like sitting there and it's like Jesus comes along and just wipes it completely clean as if it's never been there. And we've got to tap into that. We've got to embrace that. We've got to know to think as forgiven people, to approach our worldview, our mindset as forgiven people, realizing who we were, what we needed, the condition of this world, and what he has done. And out of that flows the way that we think our philosophy. This is the difference. He says in having disarmed the powers and authorities he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross. Saying listen what I have done this completeness that I've given you this identity, this me in you this forgiveness I've also given you victory complete victory in Jesus Christ he said when I went to the cross it seemed like that that was the end I was being defeated but actually that walk to the cross was just like the walk of a conquering king coming back to his city and part of that, that, that spectacle so to speak would be that as he would come back with the, the goods that he had plundered and the 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 stuff that he had conquered was they would put that king that had been conquered and those leaders that had been taken and they would put them in line and they would march them right in front of everybody to say we have conquered you we have disarmed you we have stripped you of whoever you were you are now ours And literally Jesus is saying there that when I made that walk to the cross, although it appeared in human wisdom, human understanding that I was being defeated, I actually in that walk to the cross was stripping this world of all of its authority and power. I was breaking sin's power and authority in that walk. He says, listen, you need to start with me. You need to start with this worldview. You need to start with this mindset. Don't turn to this world. Turn to me. Me. Start with me. Allow me to be the center of your life. And out of that, you will understand how this life works. 1 Corinthians simply says this <clears throat> it says, you don't have to worry about it. I'll, I'll just read it. <clears throat> Listen to these words. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligence of the, in- the, intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise people? Where is the teacher of law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the the world through its wisdom did not know him, God was pleased at the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Because Jews demanded signs and Greeks looked for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles but it is the power and the wisdom of God to those who believe wisdom rests in the crucified Jesus Christ in the risen Jesus Christ and in him being present in your life so how does this work out if we were to go back to our original things context change or I would just make this point, Jesus is greater because he completes all wisdom. But if we go back to this, context change, people stay the same. We've always been enamored with wisdom. Our university, we got all sorts of stuff, right? The wisdom of this world, we see it, we see people, science, origins, where did we come from? How did we come to be? How long have we been there? What can we measure with science? Science has become the wisdom of this world. If we can't observe it, if we can't, um, <clears throat> if it's not empirical, then it must not be nature. We we talk about the spirit within us. I'm trying to be snappy here. Psychology. I love psychology. I, talked to somebody yesterday who's got like I think a lot of degrees in psychology um, I, I, I definitely probably if we would continue education would be in psychology but psychology that believes that the answer is within us is the wisdom of this world we do it's, it's important to understand human behavior and to diagnose it and to take steps but it's in, centered in Jesus Christ right I want to know the orgy. I like to, I understand science is helping us. But if we stop short of saying, well, if I can't see it and believe it, I I can't see it, I don't believe it, then we, you see what I mean? The wisdom of this world is pressing in on us, trying to rob us of what is just simply believing in the power and the message of the gospel, which is in Jesus Christ. We have human structures to help all. We, government, right? <laughs> it's not working for us, is it? But yet we keep coming back to it because the wisdom of this world says that surely there's a system in place that can fix this. You got feel the burn over here that it's all you know communal. We got people over here that it's all every man for himself. There's gotta be some way, some system, some government way And yet, as believers, we believe, you know what? Jesus is where we start. I'm not buying into this is gonna fix our problems. I'm buying into Jesus is gonna fix our problems. That's what we need to consult. That's where we need to go. I will vote this fall. Don't think I'm somebody who doesn't vote. But I still, even as I cast my ballot, I realize it's in a flawed And and it's in a, a, a system that, yeah, I'm a citizen of this country, so I'm gonna try to do what I think's best. But at the end of the day, Jesus Christ is the answer, is the source of what we truly need here. And it's not gonna be fixed until Jesus is Lord. Turn from the human wisdoms of this world. Turn to Jesus Christ. We try too hard. Obviously, all of this This philosophy for years and thinking and and trying to figure it out and coming together with systems and structures, it's all us trying so hard to figure it out. And I would simply say Jesus is enough. Let's pray. Father, Lord, just uh, remind us that we start with Christ. The most important thing for us to figure things out is to have Jesus in our life because he's the source. We are complete in him. And you rested all of who you were on him and through the power of his Holy Spirit, we have all that we ever need. And in fact, you lead us into all wisdom and knowledge, the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge when we start with Jesus Christ. Life begins to make sense. So Lord, help us to seek you to make sure you're in our lives. Sure, we wanna know the answer. Sure, we wanna better our, our, uh, our, our, the, the, the places that we live. Sure, we want to, to bring about good. You've always been about that, but it's been through this understanding of, of who you are and what we so desperately need and that you are the answer. So Lord, remind us today that you're greater than human wisdom. And you're greater because in your cross, you completed all wisdom. And Lord, the wisdom is, is that we are broken in need of something outside of ourselves. We can't figure it out, we can't fix it. We turn to your cross, your love, your grace. So Lord, keep us there, always. And don't allow the different shifting wisdoms and philosophy of this world to impinge on our complete and utter trust in Jesus Christ as the source of life and knowledge. I pray these things in Jesus' name and for your sake.